Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. I want to read the text to you today that we're going to be in for a little while. It's the main text for this series called Set Apart. And I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to get into the word of the Lord, if that's okay. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And then we're going to read the text. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Yes, please stand. Please stand for the reading of the word. I'm out of practice. Here we go. You got it? You ready? Here we go. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as obedient, God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Father God, I pray that you use this message today, God. Lord, help the messenger this morning, God, to be clear and clean and precise. And Lord, I pray that you would help the ears of the hearers to, to open up and to hear and their hearts to receive what you have for them, Lord. I pray for those specifically today who are disappointed with you, God, that are downright angry with you, that they would see your goodness and your kindness and your mercy, that they would understand who you are today, God, that you are set apart, that you are holy, that there is no one like you. And we love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. You may have a seat. So as you read this passage, something stuck out to me, and I'm like, this is impossible. Because he says, be holy as God who chose you is holy. So are you saying I need to be just as holy as God, as holy as he is holy? There's no way I can be that holy. There's no way I can be like God. And I'm telling you, if you try on your own, if you try to achieve that on your own power and your own strength, it is impossible. There is no way. But I want to tell you, if you've given your life to Jesus, he has made you holy, just as God is holy. He has set you apart. And, and all, all Peter is doing here is reminding these people of what God has done in their life. He is telling them, just live up to the calling of your life. And that's really what holiness is. That's what it means to live set apart. You're living up to the call of God in your life. And he says, don't slip back. Don't go back to the things you were doing before. And I'm telling you, it's been such a journey for us as a church. We started this year off with Isaiah 53, and we just ripped that thing apart for a long time. 
And so during that, we learned who God was. We learned who Jesus was. We learned who, what Jesus has done in us. We've learned that Jesus has something for us to do. We really dived into the personhood of Jesus Christ. And it was a great journey. And then in the summer, we stepped into freedom. And some of, so many of you have found freedom. And so many of you have discovered all the things that were hanging you up and keeping you from moving forward. And now as we move forward into this, I feel like God's saying, now walk it out. Now be holy. Now, now walk and be set apart. Don't be like the world. Don't be like all these other things. Step into who you are and to who I am. Don't slip back, but move on and move up. And so I'm praying that as we walk through this series together called Set Apart, that we realize not only how God is holy, but how God wants us to be holy. And, and that an impossible task that Peter says to be, God, to be holy as God is holy. First, you have to know who God is. First, you have to know his holiness. And I'm telling you, for most of my life, I had a bad view of God. I really didn't know who he was because when you think about God, what are the things that come to your mind? His love, his kindness, his gentleness, his mercy, his grace, his judgment, his anger, his wrath. All these things we associate with God. But among all those things, above all those things, is that he is holy. Because he's holy, he is all these things in perfection. Because he's holy, because he's not like us, because he's, 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 he's so pure that he's uncorruptible, he is the standard in which we set our lives. And, and the biggest lie, the biggest, the biggest lie believers believe is I have to be good. That's the greatest lie that's been sold to us, is I have to be good. And you're probably saying, getting some pushback now, what do you mean I can be bad? Like, I can be bad? No, no, no. The Christian life is not about being good or being bad. Jesus didn't come to make you good, right? He came to make you holy. The Christian life is all about separating what is good, what is holy, and what is unholy. What is from God and what is not from God. And as a believer, our main goal, our main task is to live up to that holiness that God has sent into us. But like I said, we can't do that if we don't realize how God is holy. And so today I hope to bring a little clarity on the holiness of God. And while I was, we were, I was working on this series, I'm like, God, how on earth do I explain your holiness? And a, let alone a day, much less a series. Because I don't know, every time I read this, it talks about his holiness above everything else. Every time I read this, it talks about our holiness above everything else. And so how do I take this whole thing and break it down into a six-week series? Well, I'm just going to hit the highlights and the high points. And during this series, we're going to look at some very pointed things in our lives that may not be set apart. But first, we're going to look how God is holy and what it looks like. And so this is really a two-part two message in the series on God's holiness. And today we're going to look specifically at God's set-apartness, that he is nowhere near us, like he is no, nowhere like us at all. We, we tend to make God in our image, but God has no equal. We just sang that, right? All thrones and the powers, all, everything. You're above everything. He is not like us at all. And maybe today that's what you need to hear above everything else. God's not like you. God's not like you. And I hope today to kind of hammer that in to your hearts, that God is not like you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to open Isaiah chapter 40 together. And we're going to walk through Isaiah chapter 40. And because Isaiah is talking to the people and he's telling them. Because at this moment... They've done all the things that God told them not to do. 
And God promised, because all God's promises are yes and amen, even the bad ones. And he said, hey, if you keep messing up and you keep following these idols and you keep running away from me, eventually you're going to reap what you sow. And I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to hand you over. And they got to that point. And now the people are mad at God. Imagine that. They're upset with God because he's doing what he said he was going to do. And in and, and God's mercy, he sends prophets, even in that time, Isaiah was one of them, to go tell them, look, it's going to happen. God promised this is going to happen. You're going to be captive. You're going to be taken to exile. People are, your, your cities are going to be destroyed, but God still has a plan. But God in his, in his, in his knowledge and God in his power still has a plan for your life. And, and you may be feeling like that today. You may be sitting in here saying, man, my life is gone. Like my, 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 my life is, feels like it's in shambles. It's destroyed. But I'm telling you, God still has a plan. God still can make something good out of that. And so as we read Isaiah 40 together, we're going to point out some things that Isaiah is pointing out to the people about who God is. Because right at this moment, they're probably a little angry at God. They're probably a little disappointed at God. But Isaiah reminds them, you don't even know who God is. You have no realization of who he is. Because if you did, you wouldn't be angry with him and you wouldn't be disappointed with him. And so I want to open this up with Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15, where we're going to pick it up. So he's addressing the people. Oops, actually, verse 12, my bad. He's addressing the people here. Who else has held the oceans in his hands? You want to yell at God? You want to be angry with God? You want to tell him why isn't he doing his job right? Who else has held the ocean in his hands? Have you? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Have you? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Do you know? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Are you that smart? Are you that wise? You can tell God how to do his job. Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? What can you teach God? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? You know, I think it's, 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 it's human nature to, 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 to look at God and see what things happen in the world and wonder, God, do you even know what you're doing? God, do you even know what you This doesn't make any sense. This, I don't think you really know what you're doing. Here, let me, tell, let me help you, Jesus. Let me tell you. Let, let me give you a little advice. That's just human nature. But he knows all things. This is, this is what we call the omniscience of God. Like Omni, he's, he knows all. There's nothing, he's, there's nothing missing. He knows everything there is to know about everything. He, he knows when you wake up. He knows when you go to sleep. He knows when you were born. He knows everything about us. He knows everything about the universe, everything about the galaxies. We guess. We do what we can. But he knows the secrets because he created it. And I want to tell you today, maybe you're angry with God because he's not meeting up to your standard. The question I get a lot is why, if God is good, then why does this happen? If God really cares about me, then why am I going through this trouble? Why am I facing this sickness? Why did this person pass away? If God is really good and he's really for me, then why is this? Why is the question that so many people have? And I wish I could sit here and tell you why. When people come to me and say, why did this happen? I wish as a pastor I could just tell you, hey, I know why. I know why this happened. 
Because 20 years down the road, this is going to happen, and this is going to line up, and these things are going to happen, and, and you never know, but God knows. See, God has a plan that's bigger than our plan. God has this whole thing figured out. We don't. And often we get angry at God because we think we know better. And I'm telling you, the moment, the moment that you tell God how to do his job, you assume the throne. You push him off the throne. You say, God, I know better. I'm God now. That's kind of harsh, but it's true. You see, God knows what we don't know. He knows all the variables. We don't know the variables. I love what he talks about here. He goes, can you advise the spirit of the Lord and teach him? I just talked about that. Can you give him instruction on what is good? You know, we live in a day and time where good is always changing. What was good 10 years ago is not good anymore. What was good a century ago is not good anymore. See, the problem with being good and the problem with good is the standard changes because good is compared to, I'm comparing myself to somebody else. Well, are you, if I ask somebody, are you a good person? They go, well, I'm not like that person. I'm not like my aunt. I'm not like my uncle, right? I'm not like my parents, even though you probably are, right? See, good, good standard is this, how I line up with other people. That's good. But holiness is how you stand up to God. Try that standard. I'm going to talk about that next week a lot. And when you see that standard, you're like, ah, okay, I'm not even close. See, good always changes. Good is subject to the one judging the goodness. But holiness is subject to only the one that is holy. And then he talks about his justice. Can you show him the path of justice? Some of you may be mad right now because you're not getting justice the way you think you need to get justice. And I get it. I get it. People hurt us. People do things against us. People file things against us. And, and we don't know how to handle it. We want to get back. We want to get even. We want to get them, right? Because if somebody hurts me, you know what my justice is? You're going to pay. You're going to go to jail or I'm going to come to your house, right? You're, you're going to get, I'm going to get back. That's my justice. You have to pay for your crimes. You have to do, you have to, you have to do something. That's my justice. That's human justice. But God's justice is so different. When we take justice into our hands again, we just, again, assume the throne. God's justice is different than our justice. I want to read Romans 12 to you. Romans 12 talks about God's justice and how we should make room for his justice. The writer of Romans reminds believers here, beloved, that's you, that's me, we're beloved. Never avenge yourselves. Never? But leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And by doing so, you'll heap burning coals over his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Leave room for the Lord, because God's justice is way different than our justice. What if God's justice is that that person that hurt you comes to faith? Mm. Gets saved. Changes the world. I mean, think about this. What if the disciples, even though Paul was going around locking up Christians, killing them, causing havoc, 
What if they said, I know what I'm going to do. We're going to go take out Paul. Simon, you still know how to stab people? Simon the Zealot, right? <laughs> send, out, send out the assassin. What would have happened if they would have killed Paul? We wouldn't have much of our New Testament. Paul became the mouthpiece to the Gentiles. God's justice is so different than our justice. Our justice is take them out. Our justice is get them back. But God's justice is I have a plan for their life. That's so hard for us because some people are unredeemable in our eyes. Take the worst person you can think of, the worst thing that somebody could do. In our eyes, it's unredeemable. But in God's eyes, there's nothing unredeemable. And here's the problem, as, and I'm just being transparent with you. I, it's hard for me to let God have justice with people and, and to say, okay, God, if your justice is that they give their life to you and you forgive them, I'm going to have to see them in heaven. <laughs> I don't know. But the reality is, is once we get there, it's not going to matter. God's justice is different. Maybe you need that this morning. God isn't like us. God is omniscient. He knows all things. He has a plan that we don't understand yet. And then he continues on, Isaiah does, talking about the, the presence, the omnipresence of God, meaning that he is all present. He's, he's everywhere all at once, eternal. He talks about who he is and that he can't be contained. And so he gets on to these idol-worshiping people, and he tells them this in verse 15. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They're nothing more than dust on scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand, and all the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. He's saying, you can't impress him. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm impressing God. We got this. You can't impress God. He's got everything. He created the universe. He holds the world. You, you're going to impress him with what? Nothing impresses him except for faith. Then the nations are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, more emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed of a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. He's saying, how are you going to contain God? And the problem with us and problem that I have found in my life is I want a God in my image. That he does the things I want to do. He acts the way he wants me to act. He accepts the things I want to accept. And we, we, make, we make a God in our own image. But if you read scripture, you go all the way to the very beginning. We learn that we are created in his image. That he formed us out of dirt. So don't think too highly of yourself. You're just dirt. He breathed his breath of life into us. We are made in his image. We are his image bearers. And so for us to try to make him in our image is, again, assuming the throne. That's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. You can't, you can't put him in a box. You can't put him anywhere. 
He's everywhere, all at once. I heard one theologian talk about the, 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 the eternity of God, that he is in all places at all times at once. Blows your mind. And, and for me, that, that, that makes me have some comfort because I realized that in my life, he was always there. Even when I didn't think he was there. Even when I wasn't with him. Like I, he was the last thing on my mind. He was still there. And I can look back in my life and see that he was there. That he is present in my pain, in my struggle, in my mistakes, <laughs> in my horrible choices. In my worst sin, he was there. He saw it. He knows about it. And yet, he still died for me. He still loved me. He still called me. The worst thing you do, he still calls you. He says, come. Come. I want to redeem you. I want to give you life. It doesn't matter. My blood covers that. That's the beauty of God. He cannot be contained. His love cannot be contained. When Solomon built the temple and David gave, was looking at the plans for, for Solomon's temple, David looked at them and said, who, is this really going to contain the, God's presence? This building, it was beautiful. Is this really going to contain God's presence? No, it can't. The, the earth is your footstool, is what he said. But it was a place for them to come meet with God. You know, I hear people, don't run, don't run to the church. Or, you know, somebody comes in like, oh, I, I didn't mean to say that in church. You got to be nice. You got to be good. Don't spill that. It's okay. There's lots of stains. <laughs> no, God's not contained. To the, if, if this was God's building, it'd be a lot nicer, to be honest. Right? right? But God can't be contained in a church building. Come on. God's everywhere. He sees you when you're driving. I know that's kind of scary for some of you. <laughs> right? He sees you in at rush hour. He sees you how you deal with your family. He sees you when you talk to somebody. He sees you when you have a bad day. But yet he still loves you. Isn't that incredible? That's, that's who God is. It's not like us at all. He's not like us at all. Not even close. And I want to tell you, when we... No, I'm going to skip that. It's okay. Going on down to 21. So Isaiah tells them, look, you can't contain God. You can't make an image. He's higher than you. He's, he's more than you can handle. He knows all things. He is everywhere. You, you can't hide from him. All the things you think you're doing in, 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 you know, in private, he sees that. And then he goes on to say that God is so powerful that he can handle anything that comes your way. Like he, he holds the universe. I want to read this, 21. He says, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words we gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens and like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them to nothing. 
They hardly get started, barely taking root. When he blows on them and they wither, his wind carries them off like chaff. Chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look into the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. When you look, we have these nice, fancy new telescopes now. We can see stuff a little clearer. When you look at the, the Webb telescope, when you look at all these things, and you look at these images, it's coming back. It, it looks chaotic, but there's some incredible order to it. And, and the passage is saying that he holds it all together. And I want to know, if he can hold the universe together, he can hold your life together. Right. And yet so many times, like, I don't know, God, I don't know if you can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> look at the moon. Just go out and look at the moon. It's, st it's stuck there, as you have noticed. I mean, it spins around and has its orbit. God's the one that holds everything together. And he can hold you together. I think we fail to understand his strength in our life. And then he goes on. And this is really what I want to focus on for the rest of these few minutes together. Because maybe you're here today. Like I said, this message is for those that are angry at God, disappointed. Those that want to walk out or maybe you won't come to faith because you don't have all the answers about God because the question is, well, God, if you're really good, then why? God, if you really care about me, then why? God, if you're real, then why don't you just show me that you're real? He has many times, just hadn't paid attention. God, you don't care about me. You don't care about my issues. You don't care about my problems. And that's how these people felt because they were laying in the bed they made. They were sowing what they reaped. But yet God still loved them. God still cared. God still had a plan. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says this. And I want you to, as we read this, put your name. Instead of Jacob and Israel, put your name in there. Oh, Neil, how can you say the Lord doesn't see your troubles? So often, like, God, you don't see what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm doing. What I'm, what's, you don't know what's going on in my life. Do you not care? He says, how can you say that? After all this stuff we just read, how can you say he doesn't see your troubles? <laughs> Neil, oh, Neil, how can you say God ignores your rights? Like he ignores your cries. He doesn't see what's wrong. He doesn't see the injustice in your life. How can you say that he doesn't see it and doesn't care? Have you not heard? Do you not understand? The Lord is the everlasting God. Meaning he doesn't get tired. <laughs> He's the creator of the earth. He never grows weak or weary. God doesn't run out of power. He doesn't run out of juice. He doesn't take a nap. He, he's, he's not too busy for you. A lot of people don't come to God because like, well, he's busy meeting somebody else's problems that are bigger. God, God is all powerful, meaning if he gives power away, he still has all of it. Like he doesn't, it's not like he has this energy. It's not like ERCOT's going to limit his power, right? <laughs> God cannot, his, he doesn't lose any power by doing something for somebody. 
He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't grow weary in your wandering. He doesn't grow weary because of your doubts. He doesn't grow weary because you constantly ignore him and constantly go your own way. He doesn't get weary because you're angry with him. He doesn't give up on you. He's not, I'm done with you. I'm tired of it. He pursues you constantly until the day that you leave this earth, he will pursue you because he loves you. His love is everlasting. It doesn't grow weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Again, this is, this is all these three things combined. He's all present. He's all knowing. He's all powerful. He gives power. This is the beauty about it. He doesn't keep the power for himself. He gives it to the weak. And he strength to the powerless. And this is a passage we all love. Many of you probably have it on at your home. The rest of this Isaiah passage. And maybe you didn't realize all this stuff was behind it. <laughs> but now you do. So now you have the proper context. Isaiah 4, 27 says this, Even youth will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. You have to trust to get strength. They will soar on high with, on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know, there was a movie I watched. It was such a very spiritual movie called Bruce Almighty. <laughs> when it first came out. And you know how God speaks to you in ways you're not even ready for. I'm sitting in that theater and I'm watching this movie and I'm, you know, I'm laughing, it's funny. And then it gets to the very end of the movie and Bruce comes up and he's meeting with God and he's kind of giving the breakdown and God says, it's not easy, is it? He's like, what? He goes, being God? He's like, no. And Bruce looks at God and he says, I was just giving these people what they want. I thought that was the best thing I could do. And Morgan Freeman, who played God, not God, but Morgan Freeman, he says, Bruce, since when do people know what they want? And then I think these are in the, in the extra scenes in the movie, because I stayed to the end. I had these scenes about what he was doing in the background. Bruce said, I gave this person money. I, I'm, they prayed for money and I gave them money. And, and God said, yeah, you did that, but I was doing something different. I, that person was in that trial and that struggle because I wanted them to get back with her sister. I wanted them to go to her sister and restore that relationship. And there was another scene where somebody else was needing something and he gave it to him and he says, you don't know what I was doing there either. I was, I was trying to bring this person in to meet somebody else's need. See, God has a plan that we cannot see. And we get mad at God because he doesn't answer our prayers the way we think he should. He doesn't act the way we think he should. But we don't know all the variables. God knows every variable. God sees the whole story. And we get mad at him because he doesn't write a chapter the way we think he should. God sees you. He sees your story. But because he's God, because he's good, because he is holy, because he's set apart, I can trust him. And I left that theater that day. I was hard at that time. I was barely a believer. And I left that theater bawling in my car. I remember going home 
And like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I was so angry at you. I was so disappointed with you because I blame God for every part of my life. My growing up years, my marriage that was in struggles, how I wasn't a good father, all these things. I blame God. I'm like, God, if you were really good, you'd just show me how to do it. You'd fix it. But I realized that God had a different plan. That even though I wanted him to fix it the way I wanted him to fix it, he was present. Even in my anger, he was still present. He knew what I was going through. He knew the pain and the struggle I was going through. But he also gave me the power. And I'm telling you, when I left that place and when I was done balling, I went home, I told my wife about it. And you know what? I started to walk differently. Then I started to run for him. And now we just ride on his grace and soar like an eagle. That's the beauty of God. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're going through today. But I want you to know that God has the strength to overcome it. Jesus sat next to his disciples and he told them, I'm going away. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face trials. This is my promise. (laughs) You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to be killed. You're going to be hated. You're going to be ridiculed. But take heart. Verse 16, 13, 33 of John. I have said to you this so that you have peace in me. Here on this earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We're overcomers. We're overcomers. He has taught us to overcome. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through stuff, but we will overcome it because God is omniscient. He knows your sorrows. Because he's all present, he will be with you in them. And because he's all powerful or omnipotent, he has overcome it. And so I want to encourage you I don't know where you're at with God. Maybe this message spoke to you. Get a new view of God. And so I have a prayer that we're going to pray together. Maybe take a picture of it. I'll post it on Facebook after the message. And pray it. Pray it this whole week because it gives you a fresh view of God. And so you're going to pull that prayer up. So would you stand with me and pray? Can I get the altar team to come up as well? Because after we pray this, I'm going to encourage you, man. Maybe God's been moving in your heart. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're mad. Maybe you're just disillusioned with God. And and this whole time God's been saying, I'm still here. I still love you. I know what's best. I I can handle it. Just give it to me. Maybe you need to give it to him today. And so after we're done praying, I want to encourage you to come get prayer. Maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus because this block was there, this what about God thing. And maybe you have a fresh view of God today and you're ready to give your life to him. Be the greatest decision you'll ever make. The greatest decision. Because you'll start to walk, you'll start to run, and eventually you'll soar on his grace. So let's read this together. Lord, who is like you? You alone hold the universe in your hand. You created the heavens and earth with just a word. What can stand against you? Who can understand you fully? You never grow tired and weary. When I fail, Lord, you prevail. When I'm weak, you are mighty. When my strength is gone, you are still powerful. When I lay my head down at night, you're still working. I love that. 
fully awake to my reality. Now, Lord, I pray that you would give me a fresh vision of who you are. Show me today where I have a poor view of you. Reveal to me your power and might and set my soul on fire for you. Set me apart for you, Lord, as you set apart and let me rise on currents of your grace and find strength. Amen. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that there was no one like you. I couldn't worship a God that's like me. God, you have to be so far outside of who I am, but yet you invite us into who you are. What a beautiful thing. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, your justice is that we would not have to pay for our crimes, but that your son would. That's your justice. Is that you would forgive us for the unforgivable. That you would redeem us, even though other people think we're unredeemable. That you would give your life when we needed to pay the price. And that you would call us and that you would invite us in and that you want us to be your children. God, thank you. And Father, I pray for anyone that needs prayer, that they come get prayer. Anyone that needs to give their life to Jesus, that they would activate their faith, they would take a step out and get prayer today and that their lives would be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen.